What's up, everybody? Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast, presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean. Just us two today. Of course, it's a Sunday episode. Last Sunday's episode was such a good episode with Peter Ball. I mean, I, I was entertaining, informative, and the three of us kind of figuring out our chemistry, right? It was all a new thing last season, and now it's starting to feel more comfortable. Hopefully, they continue to be as good as they were last week, higher. Huh, yeah, uh, those were that was a great episode. It was a great start to the season, and I think the Avalanche fed off of our energy on Wednesday and really, really got the season going strong there. Indeed, indeed. So, of course, we've had a couple episodes to, to talk about this. No real games since our last episode, since you were in Calgary and we did a, a little post-gamer theirs, but still a couple things I want to get to. So it might not be the typical length of our Sunday episode, but hopefully still equally informative and more entertaining than normal because we can always do better at that. Um, but <laughs> I guess the, the real thing I want to get to right now is the – Evan Rodriguez, Alex Newhook, Val Nichushkin line. I mean, so I think we're talking chemistry like for everybody, not just for us. Yeah, exactly. We're not the only ones still trying to figure out chemistry, right? And and that's ex- that's exactly right with those guys. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. And, and that seems to be the Avalanche's biggest hurdle right now. So I guess, you know, it, it's super important that they get going, but it still seems like they're just working out the kinks still. Yeah, it seems like it. I think there's a couple of reasons why they haven't really – gotten there yet and we're seeing i mean when's nichushkin's production coming it's 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 on the power play when he's playing with the other top guys kind of like oh thank god the guys that i'm familiar with from last year so nice to see you again but uh at five on five that line i mean let's call it what it is jt Comfer's line right now look at the minutes look at the shifts they're getting it's just like Soderbergh, nieto and and uh como slash calvert man like this is the actual for the last two games the comfort line's been the second line. Nichushkin playing with Newhook and Rodriguez has pretty much been the third line at even strength. Yeah, definitely just just waiting for a little more magic out of those guys. And at today's practice, you could kind of sense that that was a little bit of a focus of theirs because you saw Alex Newhook at the end of practice kind of staying on late, having some discussions with the assistant coaches. You saw Evan Rodriguez really getting frustrated with himself throughout some of the drills and just banging his stick here and there, really pushing himself, setting the standard high. And Nichushkin just kind of floating around doing his thing. Um, but Nichushkin's just chilling. That guy knows he's he's a gamer. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we're not worried about Val Nichushkin's game. We know what he brings. And we know, you know, depending on who he's skating with, he's a, a huge asset. So it's really about Evan Rodriguez and Alex Newhook. So I guess let's just get into a conversation about what those two guys need to bring to the table to make this a better fit, to make this an actual second line and not have Arif sitting here throwing stones, calling it a third line. Let's start with Evan (laughs) Rodriguez. What do you think he's got to bring? And I mean, it's only been two games and we're cutting them some slack for that second game. So the sample size isn't huge, but we got to talk about something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest thing, and like, this isn't, this isn't a filler topic for us to talk about. The avalanche could have played two games since our last episode. And this would still be a very important topic for us to talk to because it's a big part of this team. I mean, look, we talked about it on Thursday night after the Calgary game. Um, The avalanche didn't have a second line mostly because the guy at the other end isn't here anymore. So it's a very prevalent topic right now for Rodriguez. You said to start with Rodriguez, right? Right. Yeah, so for Rodriguez, there's just a couple things that I'm noticing. It seems like, number one, the chemistry's not there yet. And I know they've been skating all training camp, but it's different when you're in game action against other teams rather than when you're skating with your own team and your own teammates. Rodriguez doesn't seem to have that in-game chemistry yet. It's slowly coming. And also, maybe because this is because I'm not used to seeing him in action. You know, the thing we talked about all year where it was Rodriguez, all he does is shoot, shoot, shoot. I feel like a lot of the times he's forcing the shots. He's kind of trying to do too much. And hey, maybe that's what leads to him having so many shots. And maybe that's something that his teammates will start to be able to build chemistry off of and realize like, hey, Rodriguez is going to shoot the puck and put the puck on goal every chance he gets. Be there to clean it up, especially someone like Nichushkin. So it might not be that he's doing too much. It might go back to the first point of, the chemistry is just not there yet. And the team doesn't, or the, the other two guys just don't know how to feed off of his game. And that's kind of what makes him a good playmaker is those rebounds in front. So that's kind of what I've been noticing. Again, 
the sample size has been really small. He's been playing what 12, 13 minutes. So we're talking 25 minutes of game action against the Blackhawks and against the Flames is ultimately what we're basing what we know about Rodriguez right now. Going off of what I saw in practice, as I mentioned, he was getting frustrated with himself. And uh, it was all from things that I think are just still working out the rust. I mean, I know it's at a point where, you know, we're a month into all this since training camp began, but he should he should kind of have these kinks worked out. But it still feels, you know, like getting through the neutral zone, he's getting the puck poked away from him. He's having a hard time, uh, you know, protecting the puck with his body as he's trying to enter the zone. Just Just small stuff like that. Stuff that you know he's got down. Stuff that as an NHLer is not an issue. Just more getting comfortable, get, getting back used to NHL type speed. So I'm not worried about it. Again, I think the small sample size is kind of what's holding us back still. Um, and I think Evan Rodriguez just needs uh, about ten games or so, and he'll be really comfortable and feeling where feeling at, at home and feeling in place. Yeah, I think also the biggest thing for him is like. Look, you can use Evan Rodriguez in a pinch when you need to in the top six. We've been talking about it since he signed, and that's the beauty of having somebody like him. It's the fact that he has to start in the top six that's making it a lot more pressure on him. Like, How much better would it have been for him if Gabriel Landeskog was healthy? For him to start on the third line playing with Comfer and, I don't know, maybe O'Connor or maybe Ben Myers, whatever that line combination is. Him, Comfer, and you know, insert winger X. And sort of start to build that chemistry, get the systems down, play some PP two minutes, uh, get to know his teammates, get acclimated, get used to this game, get used to the system. And then sometime in the middle of November, it's like, oh, you know, Landis Gog's injured or McKinnon's injured or Nichushkin or someone's injured and you got to play top six minutes. It's like, all right, I'm ready. Well, it's kind of working the other way this time. And he's kind of been thrown to the wolves a little bit early. And I'm not making any excuses for him. Like the guy's getting paid $2 million to play a role that he hasn't done in two games. And, you know, two games is not a lot, a long time, but if in a week from now we're talking about this still, well, now it's six games. And if in two weeks we're talking about it, it's now nine games and it's just going to keep building. So it's one of those things that he's going to have to figure out soon. It's not a panic yet, but uh, I do think that it does play a, you know, a factor in all of this is the fact that, you know, he's being relied on to be a top six winger right off the bat where maybe the hope was that he starts on the third line and you use him in the top six when someone gets injured. Cause we know McKinnon's going to miss four or five here and Ranton is going to miss four or five here and Landis Gog and so on. Yeah. I think, you know, when the avalanche first acquired Evan Rodriguez, he was still kind of, kind of the more glamorous, the more sparkly free agents that were still available. Right. So we all got excited. We said, Oh, here's our Nazem Kadri replacement. He was on the penguins last year, put up a ton of goals. This guy, this guy is it. After yeah. watching him a little bit, you're right. He is he is more, a little bit more of that third line skill set to where yeah. we're we're forcing him into a position that he's he might not necessarily be comfortable with. But you also touched on it's all because of Gabe Landeskog, right? Landy's absence is the reason the second line is needed so desperately. So um, I know there were some updates on Landy on Saturday's practice and a, a really good conversation with Jared Bednar and um, I guess fill us in on what happened on that. Yeah, so this is where the question comes in that we just don't have an answer to is, well, let's start with the Landeskog update and then I'll go to that part. Well, with Landeskog, we kind of, we peppered Jared Bednar a little bit about it because I think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Since Landeskog's been out with an injury, we haven't had a real update about him. Every single time we asked Jared about him, he says no updates and he brushes it off. This time he brushed off the question of, are you concerned? He goes, yeah, sure, we're concerned. And he kind of brushed it off. So Somebody else asked him to follow up on it, and he kind of started to get into like more of the the meat and potatoes of what he was talking about, more in depth about how, you know. And he mentioned Darren Helm as well, how you know Landis Gog missing him. You know, you ho- you wish by now he's skating so that he can be ready to go soon. He's still not skating. Um, you know, a player, and this is just in a general sense, any player missing the beginning of a season is already tough. So you know, now he's going to be behind the eight ball, and he mentioned Darren Helm the same way. Um, and then I followed up with another question where I remember back in July when Chris McFarland spoke on the first day of free agency, uh, Peter Baugh asked him, he said, Chris, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since the Stanley Cup final ended. Are any of the guys on the team expected to start the season injured? And Chris said, no, I don't believe so. The purpose of that question was Peter Baugh trying to get a handle on are the Avalanche going to do what the Tampa Bay Lightning did after they won their first Stanley Cup 
and put somebody on LTIR. And why did he ask that question? Because by the night of the first night of free agency, when Johnny Goudreau and others had signed, Nazem Kadri was still there. So we're all thinking like, hey, you know, Peter in his brain was probably thinking like, hey, what if Nichushkin goes on LTIR with his foot injury? You sign Kadri, you wait for later on in the season or playoffs or whatever. So we kind of wanted to get the gist of that. So I brought up that question and I said, you know, Jared, back in July, when Peter asked Chris, he said nobody was expected to start the season injured. When did you guys learn about Landeskog and for that matter, Darren Helm? He said Landeskog was late developing. This is something that happened later on in the year. He said when Gabe resumed skating again and when that is, I can't answer. Was it the middle of July or not the middle of July? Was it the end of July? Was it early August? Was it the middle of August? Was it early September? Was it after Labor Day, three weeks before training camp? Whenever the hell Gabe Landeskog tried to resume skating, he was having trouble and having issues on the ice. Obviously, we don't know what the injury is. All we can assume is that it's related to the knee thing from last year. So that's when they learned of the Landeskog injury. The Allegedly. Aaron, sorry, go ahead. Allegedly. Allegedly, uh, that's, you know, that's what Jared said. He seemed very honest when he was telling us that for Darren Helm. He said when Darren had his surgery, which, you know, Darren Helm had surgery after the Stanley Cup final, Darren Helm was supposed to miss between eight to 10, eight to 12 weeks. Those were the exact words he used. He said eight to 10 or 12 weeks. Yeah. He was supposed to be ready around opening night. Yeah. And he said, don't quote me on this, but I think we're in week 13, 13 and a half. Obviously, he's just trying to calculate it and had in his head how long ago was late June. So or whenever he had his surgery, early July or something like that. So he said, Darren Helm is also behind schedule. So now you got both these guys behind schedule. Now, this brings me to the first point I was going to make. When Evan Rodriguez signed September 10, 11, something like that, 12. He signed somewhere in that range. I remember because it was, you know, one of the dates I was in Turkey still. When Evan Rodriguez signed that contract, I'm pretty sure it was September 12, the morning that Monday. Did the Avalanche already know that Gabe Landeskog was back on the ice and having those troubles and that they likely were going to need this guy to start in the top six? Or was the idea in mind that they were signing Evan Rodriguez to play on the third line with, you know, JT Comfer and be the Burakovsky replacement? while having him as like a Swiss army knife to use in the top six. That's the part we don't have an answer to, but it is a little bit concerning that Helm and Landeskog have not skated yet. Honestly, for me, the conversation goes back further. I think you got to go all the way back to when Landeskog got his knee surgery or, or his procedure that he got done and jumped pretty quickly into the playoffs, right? It seemed like, wow, that's a, a really fast turnaround for having just finished surgery. Now he's playing game one of the playoffs. I'm curious. And I, I, you know, this is all speculation. I don't think this will ever be proven one way or the other, but I'm curious if there was a little bit of sacrifice being made. It was like, Gabe, you're not ready to jump into hockey just yet. It might make your recovery a little longer. But we understand that this is Stanley Cup playoff hockey. It's super important to you. Is that something you're willing to risk? And you know him. He's probably going to sit there and say, absolutely. I'm going to jump in and be ready game one. If it takes me a little bit longer to recover during the offseason, so be it. I'm sure maybe they didn't expect it to go this long where they still don't have an update, where they still don't have a timeline for him. But I think that might have been a decision that was made way back in the, at the end of the regular season last year. But again, just yeah. purely theoretical. I yeah, so that's one way to look at it. The way that I look at it is the opposite, which is what we talked about all year in, in March and April. You're and always given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, so no, 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 the opposite. And this is something, by the way, all national media, every podcast was like, oh, yeah, this is probably what's happening. And that doesn't change the fact that they are also speculating. But I think he did make a sacrifice, and the sacrifice was for that late season. He went to his doctor. He's having whatever knee issues he's having. And they're saying, hey, Gabe, right now you're, you know, you have some ailment. You have some discomfort from playing, you know, so far 50 something regular season games. Shut it down with the idea in mind that you will be ready for day one of the playoffs. So I don't think the sacrifice was after the playoffs, it might get crazy for you. I think the sacrifice was you're going to have to give up the last 20 something games of the regular season so that you are ready for game one of the Stanley cup playoffs. Now, did he rush that? I mean, look, the idea, the, look, the fact is when he had that knee procedure done the day after that Carolina game where he creamed the referees for going, you know, the whole cadre thing, you know, this guy's got a reputation and does he have to live with it forever and all that? Um, 
man, so many storylines last year were centered around Kadri. It's crazy. Uh, but after they, that, they kind of still are this year, <laughs> right? We're still, we're talking about friggin' Evan Rodriguez because 91 is playing in Calgary. I, I said it, I said it on the podcast the other day and I tweeted it out, man, this team is going to be talking about the effects of losing Kadri for a very long time. And if in five years from now, this is such a hyperbole thing to say right now, and I understand that, but like if in five years from now, the Avalanche only come away with the one Stanley Cup of 2022, all people are going to be talking about is, did they give up on Kadri? Did they so, not make that right? Sorry to derail you. So put a thought in or put a pin in the thought you were just about in to express. Gabe Landeskog thought. Yes, go ahead. Um, I saw the look on Nathan McKinnon's face the other day when he was presenting Nazem Kadri his ring. And that just strikes me as a, a brotherhood there, right? Yeah. I mean, they really were happy to see they him, were, happy to present him with his ring. Same fucking team in that locker room. Exactly. So, like, losing Nazem Kadri, we know it's it hurts as X's and O's, but it's also clearly hurting Bam. The, the bond that they have in that room. It really did affect them. I mean, go goes back to the tweet that I said. I said, I said it on the podcast. This team moving on from Kadri on and off the ice is and will continue to be a really tough challenge. Dude, they love him. They love him. They love his wife. They love his family. They love what he brings to the locker room, the type of player he is. Wait till Gabe Landeskog's back. Gabe's going to come back on the ice and be like, where the fuck is number 91? Like, it's not the same without him there. Yeah, especially because it was Nathan McKinnon with the smile on his face ear to ear after a loss, right? I mean, right? Nathan McKinnon was a little bit uh, on one. I wouldn't call him on. He was he was focused. He was in the zone today at practice, came in after practice, turned off red zone because he didn't want any nonsense. He wants everybody focusing on tomorrow's win. Oh, that's cool. But after the game, he's there smiling with Nas. So more to my point. And yeah, like they – I'm telling you, man, like there is – Again, this is going to be something we talk about all season. You're absolutely right. And especially if they see the Calgary Flames in the playoffs, like what is that going to do to you? If they see the Calgary Flames in the playoffs, if if they if they saw the Calgary Flames in the playoffs and Nazem Kadri had never played for the Avalanche, it would have been, oh yeah, this is just another guy. But seeing Nazem Kadri in the playoffs now after knowing what this guy can be, it's going to be a mental mind fuck for this team. Like it's going to be so hard for them to go against this guy. Like we can all agree. Matthew Kachuk's a better player than Nazem Kadri. He hasn't proved it in the playoffs yet, but we can all agree that if the flames still had Matthew Kachuk and the avalanche were going up against the flames in the Western conference, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. The flames are stacked. We're stacked. We're the better team. We're going to beat them, but take out Kachuk, put in Kadri, who's a lesser skilled and lesser good player, lesser good player. That's a sentence. And they're going to look and be like, they're going to shake a little bit like, holy crap, we got to go up against 91. But man, what a different feel the Battle of Alberta had the other day without that was such a great in game. it, right? That was such a great game without was, and with Kadri in there. It was hockey. There was less yeah. nonsense going on, which you tend to see in a Matt Kachuk game. But um, e either way, they're entertaining. Either way, they were great to watch. But A lot of goals. Kadri got involved in it. But yeah. Back dude, to your Landeskog point. This is going to be a story for a very long time. But I think... Gabe Landeskog, look, everybody said it going into that injury, and it was very obvious. Gabe Landeskog's not getting that injury if it's not a 100% guarantee he's ready to go game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's no way. The doctor probably told him, you will be ready to go game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but on off days, you're going to need to rehab this. You guys play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, Tuesday and Thursday, you're in my office. You're doing physical therapy. You're rehabbing this knee. And whatever that is, that's the sacrifice Gabe made. I think everything moving forward after June 26, when they won that game, this is all an unexpected realm. This isn't what you said where the sacrifice was this could stretch into last season. No, the sacrifice was you're going to miss the end of the 21-22 season. And it's not like the, he looked at Jared Bednar and Joe Sackick and was like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, now you can put me on LTIR and use that money. The Avalanche didn't go into LTIR last year. But the you, sacrifice you, you, for him was the 21-22 regular season, not the 22-23 regular season. This is hit, catching him by surprise. You can't sit there and tell me that anyone thought he was 100% during the playoffs. I no, mean, he, he wasn't. wasn't doing a single morning skate, and they tried to which, play it off as good luck, but we all know. Yeah, yeah no, 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 which, really which goes on. back to what I just said. The doctor told him, look, we will do this knee procedure for you in March. Again, I'm, I'm just putting together my own theory. This is not how things went. 
in my make-believe world, the doctor told him, you're going to have this surgery today here in March, whatever date that was. However, when the Stanley Cup finals come around, yes, you will play game one and you will play game two and game three and game four in every game. But on your off days, you're not skating. You're in my office rehabbing. And Gabe's basically the doctor's note was your sacrifices, you're playing the games and you're not doing anything else. You're everything else. Instead of doing that, you're with me or you're with a physical therapist, or you're rehabbing, you're in the gym, you're doing something, whatever the, f- I'm not a medical professional, whatever the hell it is you got to do to rehab this knee, that's what you're going to do on your off days. So that's why he wasn't in morning skates. That's why he wasn't in practicing practices. But June 26th to September 26th, which is about the time the Avalanche started training camp, that's a solid three months. In those three months, the expectation was he's ready to go which is why when we asked Chris McFarland, like he was honest about it. He didn't say like Chris McFarland could have easily been like, well, potentially one or two guys, potentially one guy without naming Gabe Landeskog. But guess what? We would have spent the entire summer being like, Ooh, the avalanche are going to start with Gabe Landeskog and LTIR. And if they knew that was the case, and if they knew Landeskog might miss one or two months, we might still have Nazem Kadri. I, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that the avalanche didn't want to give him term, but we might still have this guy. But that's not the case. The, the 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 point of this is I don't I genuinely don't think the Avalanche planned for Gabe Landeskog or Darren Helm for that matter, because Darren Helm is a big piece of this team too, given the way he played in the playoffs and the chemistry he's now got with Cagliano and the fact that he's a fourth line center now. The, the whole regular season last year, he was a fourth line winger, and then suddenly in the playoffs, he was a fourth line center. We're like, oh god, my god, this team's got a great one, two, three, four punch. Um I don't think the Avalanche thought any of these guys were going to miss regular season time. And I think this caught them by surprise for both of them. Yeah. I think the LTIR point is really what you have to read into, right? Cause had they known they'd probably have a few more guys, if not Nazem Kadri at least. So yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely right. But maybe the big, we'll thing, find out. the big thing. Yeah. The big thing always with Nazem Kadri, sorry to go back to that is that they didn't want to give him term. And it's the thing that I'm going to mention today. I've mentioned it before. We're going to talk about it in the future because we're going to be talking about this for a while is if you want to give Kadri four years at 7 million and he wants seven years at 7 million, how much do you really care about years five, six, and seven? Like, I know you don't want to end up like the San Jose sharks where you got a broken down Carlson and a broken down Vlasic and a broken down Couture. And all these guys are making a lot of money and eating up your cap space. But one guy, like, is it really worth losing four years of a cadre that you believe could be a beneficial piece to your team at the ages of 33, 34, 35? Well, 32, 33, 34, 35. After that, you want to cut him loose. But maybe those three, maybe in those four years, you win two more cups. Well, now without Kadri, what if you win no cups? You're going to be like, man, I wish we gave the guy seven years and he was a bum in years five, six, and seven. So that's kind of how I see it. Like, I always hear this team is too smart to give a 32-year-old seven years. Well, a 31-year-old who's going to be 32 on opening night, seven years. But I'm kind of like, hey, maybe this is the guy you should have given it to. This is the 31, 32-year-old that it was worth doing it for. We'll find out in the future. But let's not derail this with Kadri talk. I'm still, I'm still feeling the effects of that Calgary game and the fact that he drew a penalty on Kale McCarr. He made Kale McCarr turn in, turn on his skates, and he drew a penalty on him. He got in the face of the goalie to the point where he was such a pain in the ass in the crease that Eric Johnson cross-checked him over Pavel Francouz, drew a second penalty there. He was a factor on the power play. He assisted on another goal. I'm still feeling all the effects of what Nazem Kadri did to the Avalanche the other day. And the first part of our conversation, the fact that this new second line, which we haven't even gotten to Alex Newhook yet, this new second line's not cutting it yet. And he's on the other side playing his same game. All because he wanted three extra years. It's it's a very interesting topic that we're going to talk about for up to the next seven years. Well, in seven years from now, let's make sure to revisit this podcast. And I was about <laughs> to say, maybe with the Gabe Landeskog situation, maybe in Peter Baugh's next book, he'll break it down for us. You know, you I got like this one. I'll, I'll go. I'll go deep into this one. I'll. I'll try to figure out what the hell's going on when oh, game comes around. So look out. Look out for the Air of Dean book coming. Oh dear God! I'm not doing a book. I'm <laughs> gonna come over here and talk to you about it for 20 minutes. Maybe Wait, a comic book. What about a comic book? Pages. You think you could do a comic book? <laughs> think about it, dude. In one rant that I do, 
how many words do I say and how many pages of a book can I fill? Just this podcast alone is like 60 pages. So Peter can write a 60 page book. I can come on here and chat with you for 25 minutes. We're both getting the same point across. He's going to have a lot more readers than I do listeners. I know I'm just taking shots. And his is going to be in better English too. And his is going to be in much better English (laughs) than whatever the hell language I'm talking most of the time. Uh, But you hinted at it. We got to get to Alex Newhook still. And he, of course, is the direct replacement for Nazem Kadri right now, still trying to work his way through that second line center role. So how does he improve? How does he uh, just make that second line a better line? He's got to be better in all facets. The biggest thing about Alex Newhook that I can tell you about the last two games, and I've watched the last two games. I don't look at my phone when I'm at the games. I'm watching the game. I can't remember a single fucking thing Alex Newhook has done in the last two games. And that should tell you all you need to know about what he's done the last two games, which is nothing. So that that's a very harsh critic, but like legitimately, legitimately, if you told me to break down some things about Newhook right now, like you did about Rodriguez, and I gave you some pointers of what I'm seeing, I can't recall a thing that I saw about Alex Newhook that I'm like, he needs to do that better. He was just, he was just invisible. He's just in the lineup. And then I checked the score sheet and he played 12, 13 minutes. And that's basically it. Yeah. That might be a product of doing too much. I mean, Alex Newhook strikes me as an offensive player who plays an effort. He gives a good effort defensively, but maybe isn't necessarily always where he has to be or doing the right thing defensively. But as far as effort goes, he's there. He's going to give it to oh, you. And he's going to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm he not saying he's necessarily have it as a, as a second nature, right? Uh, seventh sense, even like he does goal scoring. So, um, yeah, I think he's trying to work through all that and work through the chemistry and figure out how to make an impact offensively. Because even offensively, as good as he is, it's not like he was a, a point per game player last year. He was still you know, absent a couple games here and there, and, and then he would show up. So consistently, consistency is something he's working on. And of course, just defensive structure, I think. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. So he's trying to look, he's trying to be a second line center and round out his game. And this goes back to the exact same thing we talked about with Rodriguez. Newhook probably sat there and was like, man, if only Kadri would have came back for one more year so I can really know that in 12 months from now, that's my spot. So that I can sit back and really hone in on these skills on the third line. But here he is on the second line playing a big role. And a couple of nobodies like you and me are sitting here trashing him. Well, not trashing him, but really, really coming at his game for the last two nights. I will tell you one thing I do remember from the Calgary game. He was creamed in the faceoff circle. He didn't win a single faceoff, I don't think. Uh, actually, no, looking at the stats now, which... 10%. Uh, bingo. One win out of 10 faceoffs. He had 10 faceoffs and he lost nine of them. And the biggest thing about him is, again, Nathan McKinnon has taken the most faceoffs, which should never be the case in a game because he's not very good at them. He went 11 for 12, or sorry, 11 and 12, so 11 for 23. JD Comfer went 8 and 9, so 8 of 17. And then Alex Duhook went 1 of 10. Evan Rodriguez won 4 of 5, so he started to take more faceoffs on that line. But 1 of 10. So... This is an Alex Newhook player who's been put into the second line playing with Evan Rodriguez, who's a new guy on the team, Val Nuchushkin, who's a fucking gamer. Anybody can play with that guy, and he's valuable to anybody. He's just – he's unbelievable. And he's trying to play a well-rounded game defensively, which I love that he's doing that and respect that, and he should be doing that because the last thing you want is for your second line center to put up 50, 60, 65, 70 points and be useless in every other thing. And now you basically have a glorified Andre Burakovsky. Like, no disrespect. That guy's a guy that doesn't play a two-way game all too well. And that's why he played on the third line, was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. As much as you're good offensively, you, you need to be a two-way player, especially as a center. So this is a new hook guy who's trying to work on that two-way game. He's also a new hook guy who had 33 points last year and wants to grow his offensive game. And is also a guy that like, oh, holy shit, I need to take a lot of face-offs now. So there's a lot of things he's working through that we're talking about here on October 16th, that on November 16th and December 16th and January 16th, he's probably going to be better at because this guy was drafted 16th overall for a reason. He was one of the best Canadian prospects and played on that world junior team and was highly touted and highly regarded as a junior player for a reason. But right now on October 16th, he's got a lawn on his plate and he's trying to munch on everything at once. And all he's doing is kind of nibbling on everything and not really getting a real grasp of all the things he's trying to do where, like you said today, I saw the video you posted. 
and by the way, shout out to us for kind of doing this by accident, but making it look like we actually had a plan that I attended practice Saturday. You got Sunday. So we got it all covered, but you posted that video of him, of him after practice working extra minutes. And it might've just been Jared Bender being like, all right, chill. Let's work on one thing at a time. The player you were last year, be that player this year. And let's start with your two-way game and let's get your two-way game up to par. Don't worry about the offense. Nachushkin will score three goals in two games on the power play. Don't worry about it. He's good. He's got you. Nachushkin's a fucking gamer. But that might be the title of this podcast. Nachushkin is a fucking gamer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's work on your two-way game. Let's work on your face-offs because apparently Nathan McKinnon is the best in the world at everything. But for whatever reason, can't win a damn face-off. Let's work on your face-offs. And then let's work on that offensive spark. Suddenly you're a well-rounded player before the trade deadline. That's the leash we gave you. We're good to go. You're our second-line center. We trust you. So it's one thing at a time, I think, is the biggest thing for Newhook. He's he's trying to get better at everything too quickly. And for two games, it hasn't really showed. And I know it's only two games. But again, it's October 16th. All we have to talk about on October 16th is two games. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, the sample size thing is still a thing, right? Uh, This could easily go to game 10 and none of this is even an issue anymore, but you know, I think you're, you're spot on with Alex Newhook. I mean, I, I remember talking to Nathan McKinnon a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that a lot of times his advice to the young guys is just pick a few things to get 5% better at pick five things to get 5% better at suddenly you're 25% better. Once you get better at all those things. Yeah. I feel like that was directed at Newhook, right? That's basically what he has to do. He might even have seven or eight things, but just focus on five get better at those, then worry about the next ones. And and that's, that's the boat Alex Newhook's in. And I think that's what he, what he's doing. Right. I mean, that's just the the pressure that comes with a professional sports gig. You got to perform, you have to improve or else, you know, there's going to be a new guy in. I mean, if we all face that same pressure at our daily jobs, I'm sure we'd all do a lot better at them too. So um, yeah, cheering for Alex Newhook, hoping, hoping he continues the progress and ends up just being a staple in that lineup. Look, and, and the reason why he and Rodriguez are under so much pressure is because of the team that they're playing on, the team that just won the Stanley Cup and has aspirations and goals and dreams of doing it again. So all, all it does is is uh, further further show how how much pressure is on this guy, how much, how much pressure is on him to – and I know the Avalanche gave him a leash from now through trade deadline. Obviously, if he like completely shits the bed for 15, 20 games and the Avs are 500, like – yeah, Jared's going to go back on that word and be like, hey, Chris, maybe some help. Um, but they're not there yet. It's two games. There's no reason to panic as much as it, you know, I just spent 10 minutes kind of breaking down all the things he could get better at. There's no reason to panic yet, but it is something worth keeping an eye on. Again, in a week from now, in two weeks from now, in 10 games, like you said, in 10 games from now, Newhook might have five goals and seven assists. Like, he might just figure it out. Like, that's what good players do. They just figured it out. Miko Ray and, or not Miko, the other guy, Nathan McKinnon had five points in his first 10 games in 26, 17, 18. Matt Duchesne got traded. Dude figured it out. Like he just one day woke up and said, you know what? I decided I'm going to be a 90 something point player for the rest of my career and the best player in the NHL. And I'm going to get highest paid player in the NHL in four years from now. He just one day woke up and that happened. So that's what happens with good players. And new hook is a good player. I'm not by any means saying that this guy's a bust or anything like that, but uh, it's just a matter of kind of working on those things slowly. The Nathan McKinnon thing, like you can tell that's something that Nathan worked on, worked on himself to kind of get better at all these little things. Again, the face-off thing is so astonishing to me that he hasn't found a way to get better at those, but that's beyond the point. The point is that uh, there are things for a new hook to get better at, and, and there's a lot of time for him to do it, but there is also pressure because of the team that they're playing on and the fact that this team does want to win a Stanley Cup again. Right. They're giving him a leash, but there's only so much leash they can give. And I'd like to see those guys, you know, start getting more shots than that, especially Evan Rodriguez. We were promised a lot of shots. He's yet to hit his over on shot props. I've been super into shot props lately because, of course, hockey's back. Basketball's right around the corner and football is back. And nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now, they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. 
zero zero really shot. quick before we move on the rodriguez shots he had three shot attempts against the calgary flames two of them went on goal one of them was blocked and we usually all... the over-unders are two and a half for a guy like that yeah we all remember the shot that was blocked it was the one late in the power play where he set up the one timer it was blocked and sprung for the other way for rasmus anderson right out of the penalty box so like just small things like that. One shot made that big of a difference. That one timer doesn't get blocked and it ends up going in the goal. We have a closer game. It gets blocked. Rasmus Anderson comes out of the box, gets the puck, scores on a breakaway. It's just the game of inches, man. It's all it takes. Inches matter. Inches matter. So uh, we saw the guys this morning at practice. They flew out to Minnesota where they are right now, getting ready for their game against the Wild tomorrow, Monday. Here we are on Sunday night, of course. Um, let's just look ahead at that Sunday game. Oh, where'd Arif go? I'm back. There you are. <laughs> That's all right. Live, uh, you know, we're doing this on StreamYard now. We, we can't pause. These uh, yeah. live errors we've we've going never in. had we whoa, whoa, whoa jj we've never had to edit a podcast after recording it come on except for that one time that you had the hiccups but yeah other than that <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we're looking ahead at minnesota of course uh they've struggled out of the gate two games played two losses seven goals given up in each of those two losses um of course one of them was against a good new york rangers team they're coming out of the gate strong minnesota not so much and because the uh, other loss they had was to the kings who you know uh, are in between a good and bad team they're right call there it, call the it what it is stop trying to make excuses if there's a team that needs to panic it's this one holy shit what a bad start they've given up 14 goals not a single one of them was an empty netter Marc-Andre Fleury has faced 49 shots and has let 11 goals go past him. Philip Gustafson, the backup goalie that suddenly they decided was worth Cam Talbot, 20 shots, three of them passed him. It's not looking too good in Minnesota right now. No, absolutely. And, and the goaltending is really what, what's getting pointed at, right? I mean, because the big names are scoring. You're seeing Kaprizov has a goal and two assists. You're seeing Zuccarello on the score sheets. Matt Boldy's been adding a couple. It, it's really been Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing is, look, like this team went out and it's it's so funny how things happen. Like Vegas had a good thing with Flurry. They went out and acquired Robin Leonard and set up this awkward tandem that wasn't needed. And it led to the first guy walking out the door. And he didn't even walk out the door. He got traded for nothing because that's what Vegas does. Um, then he comes to Minnesota. To Well, he obviously has a stop in Chicago, but he comes to Minnesota where their guy was playing well, Cam Talbot, the same way Fleury was playing decent when Vegas went out and traded for, for Leonard and gave him a contract. Talbot was doing fine. There was a lot of things Minnesota could have done at the deadline for some reason, you know, other than trading for Tyson Jost, they decided they needed a starting goalie when they had one. And they set up this weird, awkward thing at this point and at this stage of his career for Fleury. Unlike a couple of years ago when he was in Vegas, he is now better suited to be in a tandem. But because he came in, because they gave him a contract, because they kind of handed him the reins in the playoffs and basically made it seem like he was more the 1A rather than the 1B, he was stepping into Cam Talbot's territory the way Leonard stepped into Fleury's territory. It led to Cam Talbot walking out that door, forcing a trade where, you know, we had that great quote from Bill Guerin last year where, uh, or over the summer, over the offseason, where after Flurry was given a contract, Cam Talbot's agent said, Garen's going to have to find a way to get us out of here or whatever it was because Cam's not happy. And Bill Garen was asked about this. And I quote, he said, I don't have to fucking do shit. He's under contract. He's coming to play for our team. Well, Garen did end up fucking doing shit because just a week later, he traded Cam Talbot for this guy and Philip Gustafson, who's not ready to be a tandem goalie. He's a clear backup that you want to play 15 to 20 to 25 games. Hope he gives you a good safe percentage. Hope he gives you a 500 record because that's pretty much all he's good for so far in his career. But now you're relying on Marc-Andre Fleury at a time in his career where he shouldn't be playing 55 to 65 games. Now you're expecting that. And what you have is in two games, he has surrendered 11 goals. Oh, and by the way, he was pulled in one of them. He has given up 11 goals in less than 120 minutes. 
Sticking with the curse words, definitely mark this podcast as explicit, Arif. Uh, here, here's a quote Hope from Aaron's fault. Don't look at me. Here's a quote from Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, thanks to Mike Rousseau uh, for tweeting this quote out. But basically, Fleury on the unscreened fourth goal that got him pulled. So fucking stupid. I think I was looking to see what was coming. I knew he was far away to see where guys were at. And then I looked back at the shot and it was already in. Just stupid. Stupid. So my question to you, do you get a a bounce back vibe? Like they're, they're pissed off at themselves. They're ready to come back and start playing some good hockey. Or do you feel like they're kind of uh, feeling sorry for themselves? Almost a defeatist. Like, ah, oh, man, because I read that quote and I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury is already on starting the season on the wrong foot as far as mindset. I think two things are going to take, take into account for that. Number one, even if they are the alternative, not, not the, you know, starting on the wrong foot, but they are going to use that as like fuel to, to get them over the hump and back into the game. They are still playing the avalanche. And as much as I just spent 30 minutes talking about all the things that are wrong with this team, this is the team everybody expects to win the Western Conference in the regular season, probably go back to the Stanley Cup final or, or at least the Western Conference final. Moral of the story, the Avalanche are still a damn good team and Minnesota's finally like, you know what? We're going to fix this. Ah, oh, fuck, we're going to Denver or we're, the, the Avalanche are coming to play us on Monday. Like it's it's a home game, but yeah, it's the Avs. We'll fix this after Monday. We'll fix this after. We'll fix this after Monday. Maybe game four, maybe game four. <laughs> How many two. teams have made the playoffs after starting 0-3? Somebody <laughs> check for me. Somebody, please, anybody. The <laughs> other thing to take into account for Marc-Andre Fleury, and this is the part that could be you know, concerning for him, is look, this is a veteran that's been around since he got drafted first overall in 2003. He's been in the NHL every single year since. He played in the 03-04 season as an 18-year-old. He didn't do very good, but you know, nobody on Pittsburgh did back then. So he's been around for a very long time. But last year, aside from his rookie season, which doesn't really matter, the way his season started last year in Chicago, he's never had that before. He's really, truly, genuinely never had that happen before, and it happened. And now, two games in, he's given up 11 goals, and there is that mindset. This is a veteran that for 16, 17 years has always been on his game, and now like, oh my God, two years in a row this is going to happen? So he could be having that self-doubt. He could be having that anxiety of like, holy shit, Whatever happened to me last year might be happening again. And that's not good news for this team because this is the one goalie they are now riding with. Cam Talbot's not here anymore. He's in Ottawa and he's injured, so he's not even helping Ottawa right now. But it's 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 really concerning for the Minnesota Wild right now because of that. Right, and at his age, once that self-doubt starts to creep in and, and he starts to say, well, man, maybe I should have retired. I mean, there's no recovering from that. He, he's just going to end up uh, down a slippery, slippery slope. But um, yeah, considering they, they let in seven goals in each of their first two games, Avalanche have hit the over in each of their first two games, scoring seven and eight goals, respectively. The line's at six and a half. Is that an easy over? I think so. It's still too early in the season. You know how NHL is early in the year. It's silly. Everybody just scores a lot of goals for some reason. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's take that over then. I'm down for it. Let's do it. With Marc-Andre Fleury in it? Come on. I mean, let's face it. Like On, on a real note, like Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to have a six goals against average for the whole season. They're not going to play this bad the whole season. He's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury at times. It's just a matter of hoping that at this age, after the year he had last year, that he can do it consistently for two seasons, by the way, because he's under contract for two years. He's going to be your starter for the next two years. And because of the Suter and Parisi buyouts, you don't have a lot of cap space to mess with. Those guys are eating up a ton of your cap space. So if you're Minnesota, you better hope Marc-Andre Fleury can figure it out over the next two years, because if not, you're shit out of luck, basically. Indeed. Indeed. Um, not sure how to segue into this one, so we're just going to go right into a total beverage read because um, you're not shit out of luck with total beverage, right? There we go. Uh, everybody knows total beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, total beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know total beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at totalbev.com. Total beverage, everything you need, and more. Um, yeah, definitely interesting uh, game coming up tomorrow. I'm excited to see it. I think the Avs definitely bounce back, and you know, I, I think it was a little unfair the way they um, 
lost that second game. I think they're a little bit pissed off and definitely don't want to start the season with a losing record. So I'm putting everything I got on the Avalanche winning tomorrow and the over. I like them both. I think they will win tomorrow, but let me, let me, let me make something. Let me, let me kind of clear something up because a lot of people have tweeted me about this. Um, The Calgary Flames are going to play Saturday because it's hockey night in Canada. It's Edmonton versus Calgary. So that means the Calgary Flames are not starting their season Friday. They are playing Thursday, and then they are playing Saturday. No back-to-backs involved. Good game against the Avalanche at home on Thursday. Nazem Kadri facing his former team. Granted, the schedule was made before Kadri signed there. I know. Saturday, Battle of Alberta. So that's why the Avalanche were forced to play the doubleheader. So that's why the Avalanche were forced to play the back-to-back. And then you might be asking... Why did the Avalanche have to play two games in two nights and not the Calgary Flames? Can we throw some respect on the Stanley Cup final? Well, this is the exact point of this entire conversation. And you may ask yourself. And you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So this, so that is all my preamble to basically say the Stanley Cup champion usually plays on day one of the regular season. Ignore the Europe games that played last week. Tuesday was the first game of the regular season. Do you want to know why the Avalanche played Wednesday instead of Tuesday? Why? You know why? No. There was a fucking concert at Ball Arena. I forget who it was. We looked it up the other day. Because there was a concert at Ball Arena, the Avalanche's banner-raising ceremony was pushed to Wednesday. So if you're wondering why the Avalanche have to play Wednesday, Thursday instead of Wednesday, Friday, and why Calgary got to play Thursday, Saturday instead of Friday, Saturday, why did the Avalanche have to do the back-to-back and not Calgary that has to do the back-to-back? Because for the first time in a very long time, the Stanley Cup champion did not open the season on the first day. They opened it on the second day because Ball Arena scheduled something early. Whether you want to blame Kroenke, whether you want to blame some intern that set up a, a, a concert, the fact of the matter is the NHL is not out to get the avalanche. This is not fucking schedule makers doing this to the avalanche. This is the avalanche did this to themselves. It's the Kroenke schedule maker, the ball arena schedule makers. Thank you. The avalanche. Should Interesting. Have I didn't know that. No, I'm glad you cleared yeah, that up. The avalanche should have played Tuesday, Thursday, and Calgary plays Thursday, Saturday. When Ball Arena schedules something, that doesn't mean Calgary has to change what they do and play Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. And the Saturday game is a back-to-back against Edmonton, Battle of Alberta on Hockey Night in Canada, CBC, Sportsnet, so on and so forth. So who's going to eat the mistake that Ball Arena had a pre-scheduled thing on Tuesday? It's the team that plays at Ball Arena. So that's why they played Wednesday, Thursday, because of that. And to be honest with you, that's why they lost. It is why they lost. It is because they landed at 4 a.m. They're not too hung up over that. I know fans have been kind of annoyed about that. Players have mentioned, Jared Bednar has mentioned, like, look, we landed at 4 a.m. and this is a good team. And that's true. But the reason why that happened is because of the avalanche. So let's please move on from going at the NHL schedule makers. It's not their fault. I'm trying to look up right now who it was. Now I'm curious. I forget who it was. So I was looking at the calendar a week and a half ago when I was in the locker room and I saw who it was. And then I wasn't able to see it again when I looked later. So maybe if we do a quick search of October 12, 2022, Ball Arena. By the way, wonderful podcast uh, content for us to search in the middle. Of- well, you know, everybody's curious too. Either that or they were at the concert and they're screaming at their podcast. It's freaking this right guy. So it was the- I can't find it. I give up. I think it was Panic at the Disco. Hmm. Panic at the Disco. That's who it was. Okay. Panic at the Disco was at Ball Arena October 11 and October 12, and that's why the Avalanche didn't start till. Wait, no, the Avalanche. What day was Thursday? Now I'm losing. Yeah, was Thursday the Wednesday. 16th, the 13th? Or sorry, was Wednesday the 13th? Oh God. Wednesday yeah. was the 12th. Wednesday sorry. the 12th. Okay, so, so the 11. October 11 was Tuesday. Panic at the Disco was at Ball Arena on Tuesday which is what made the Avalanche have to start Wednesday. So you can blame Panic at the Disco and the Avalanche and Ball Arena schedule makers. That is why this all happened. It's moments like these that we have to bless everyone's heart at the end of the podcast there. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, to hear me literally type out the words I'm saying, (laughs) October 11, 2022, Ball Arena, whoever was there, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, and me failing at, at finding any answers on Google. A um, couple of notes I wanted to get to from today's practice, just some things I observed in being there. I mean, there's just no replacement for being there, right? Everybody can consider themselves an abs expert and a hockey expert, but just simply seeing the practice with your own eyes, finding out for yourself what's going on and, and getting your own assessments, there's just nothing that beats it. So, Okay, so um, rude of you to put me on the spot for not being there today. Go on. That's fine. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I did it. Oh, no, How did cool. I do that? Yeah, no, no, I went on Saturday. It's cool. Yeah, I know. I didn't put you on the spot. I was just there. Today. Look, I'm, 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 I'm sure you're here, to, I'm here to throw hands today. All right. Cadres yeah. in Calgary, people are snapping at the NHL schedule makers. Come on, let's go. You and me. <laughs> um, all right, let's do it. Um, back to the practice notes. Yeah, I'm sure you saw things on Saturday that I didn't see because right? <laughs> I was doing the hockey show. Alexander Georgiev. I mean, I know we're all waiting for him to have a, a monstrous game. I don't think you can really blame him for, you know, those goals that he let yeah. up against Chicago. Um, but seven, 17 shots, two goals. You'd like to see a better stat line. But I just think he's so good. And and at the first shot, I don't think we've seen a goalie here in Colorado in a long time that's as good as him at saving that first shot. Yeah, that's all I want to say. I mean, his first shot and his, just his reflexes and his ability to attack a puck Second to none. Yeah, the Avalanche are playing this week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, sorry. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, he might play three of those four. I could see him playing Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday is split between him and France, who's whether he plays three in a row or whether Frankie plays Friday, he plays the second of the back-to-back. -back. So uh, regardless of which way it goes, we're, we're going to start to see a lot of Georgiev. This is what he wanted. He wanted the opportunity to play every other night. And if he's the one that plays Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Georgi and Frankie plays Saturday, well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is every other night. So he's going to get into a rhythm. He's he's got, the, he's got the tools. He's obviously been showing it in practice. What you're seeing is the same stuff that I'm seeing, same stuff that a lot of people are saying that, like, this guy has what it takes. And I'm really excited for this opportunity for him to get to see it. Because when he plays Monday, like, the way the season, the schedule was set up, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So, like, it's going to be five days since he made his opener. He had his opener with his new team. Like, it's it's a lot of time off. So, he's been waiting for a week like this. Basically, yeah. yeah. So he's he's excited to to get going. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. I fully expect, as long as he's healthy, knock on wood, that like Georgie's going to play three of those four games. And not only that, based off what I'm seeing, I think he's going to shine. So. I'm excited for it. Look, these are these are big games coming up. Seattle Kraken's a Pacific Division team, but both Winnipeg and uh, Minnesota are Central Division rivals. And then you have the Vegas Golden Knights, and those are always games the Avalanche wake up for. Uh, my other observation from today's practice, stop me if you've heard this one before, Nathan McKinnon was a little bit intense. Uh, he was just focused, getting, getting to work, uh, You know, working on some small things on his own, on the side whenever he could, and like I mentioned earlier, he walked into that locker room and just turned off red zone. That this is distracting us all. Yeah, we're gonna focus on the media and then the game. Yeah, Shout media. Out stop watching me. TV. Hurry up and get your interviews done and get out. We have to go to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the other fun thing I'm sure you saw on social media from myself, the Avalanche, and everybody else that was standing there. Kale McCarr and Logan O'Connor <laughs> had a fun little bet on this weekend's uh, NCAA matchup between. UMass Lowell, or no, UMass Amherst and uh, DU. Of course, UMass swept DU winning both games, and um, that was their bet. I guess if there was a sweep, you had to wear the other team's shirt and do an interview and say nothing but good things, and it was hilarious being cool. there. Logan O'Connor having to say good things while Kale McCarr's <laughs> is in the background cracking up at him. Uh, it was nice to see them still have that lightheartedness while all the focus, all the intensity was going on all day. Yeah, I love that. That's look, that's the kind of stuff that makes a locker room gel and and I love seeing stuff like that. Absolutely. So those are my observations from practice. Uh let's wrap it up today with an extra attacker. Yeah, this one was a good one. Uh are you familiar with the Ray and Dregs podcast? I am not. It's Darren Dreger? Yeah, it's literally in the in the name. Ray Ferraro and Darren Dreger. Um when we do these extra attackers, if there's some kind of a post game interview or something that's related to it, we'll We'll put it in, but I don't feel comfortable clipping somebody else's podcast into my podcast. All I can say is go download the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. Listen to their episode from three days ago where they had general manager of the LA Kings, Rob Blake, on the show. And Rob Blake was – they asked him at one point about how the Avalanche, you know, last week got their Stanley Cup rings. 
and they asked them to like kind of recall the 2001 Stanley Cup ring ceremony. And I can't wait to ask Joe Sackick about this. The only problem is Joe Sackick's not the GM anymore. And I don't know if we're ever going to get a chance to talk to him anymore. And that bums me out because Rob Blake said something along the lines of there was a magician there. And part of this magician's act was he had this big box and he did this whole thing. And then he opened the box and out came Ray Bork wearing his Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> so whatever the hell the avalanche had, I don't know if it was like one of those things, like I'm not like the way that I understood it. And this could be wrong. It could have just been like Ray Bork was sitting at the table because Ray Bork retired. So when they're doing the Stanley Cup ring ceremony in you know, September of 2001, and they won the cup in June of 2001, Ray Bork's already retired. He's not, you know, like the avalanche last week. He's he not probably already at 15 pounds yeah. on him. He's not gearing up for opening night. He's not really in the team. He's part of the team. He's not really at training camp preseason. He's not part of this. So it could have been one of two things. It could have been Ray Bork was sitting at a table and this magician said, you come on up because they invited Ray Bork to the ceremony. And he said, you come on up. Let's do this whole thing. And out he comes with a Stanley Cup ring. I'm going to put him in the box and I'm going to shake the blanket. And here he comes wearing a ring. Where did the ring come from? Oh, you'll never know from inside that box. Here is your new Stanley Cup ring. Or it could be the funnier way is the way that I understood it, which is probably wrong, but it's still hilarious. Like they didn't invite Ray Bork to the ceremony, or maybe they invited him and he didn't show is what the players thought. And out comes this magician with a big ass box that already has got a fucking human hiding inside of it. And he said, uh, Joe Sackick or Peter Forsberg, look at this box. It's empty. And here I am. I'm going to shake a blanket and out comes a human. And it's Ray Bork, who the whole team thought was somewhere in Boston or wherever the hell retired in Canada. And out comes Ray Bork sweating like hell because he's locked inside this box, <laughs> holding his Stanley Cup ring, going, what's up, fuckers? Look at this new thing that I got. And then they all got theirs too. So whatever the thing is, I that just wonder. First of all, it's hilarious. It's, that's 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 the way magic works. It's not like they said, "Hey, get in the box." That so that happened actually in a soccer. You know how when a, a team signs a soccer player, they love to make a spectacle of it. Yeah. Well, a couple of years back, a soccer team in Spain did that. Look up Santi Cazorla, um, or Cazorla in uh, American, um, and his reveal. It's it's the exact same thing you're explaining right now, except it was a glass box. So I'm wondering if Ray Bork. Maybe was it, it was a glass, glass box, box. Rob, right? so you could see through it and that there was nobody in it. Then they put a blanket on it or some shit and Open out it, pops, out, and pops somebody. out comes Ray Bork with a Stanley Cup ring. They're like, oh, my God, you're still around. We haven't seen you since the crazy parties that we were having. Yeah. Whatever sure. it is, it sounded hilarious. And I wish there was an opportunity for us to have another Joe Sackett press conference. We could be talking about – the fact that the avalanche are for some reason struggling at the trade deadline or, you know, in January and Jared Bednar's on the hot seat, Nathan McKinnon got a season ending knee injury. Valerian Achushkin's not scoring goals. This Georgiev guy stinks and all the media are hammering Joe Sackick with these very freaking serious questions. And then out comes Arif Dean to be like, what the hell happened with the ring ceremony in 2001? There was a magician involved Ray Bork in a box. Tell me more. And really just brighten the mood in that way so that Joe Sackett could be like, oh, thank God, a question that I can enjoy. So whatever it is, it's on the Ray and Dregs podcast. That's all I can tell you about it. It's a longer episode, but you know they're a great podcast anyway. Loved Ray, Ray Ferraro, loved Darren Dreger. This isn't an advertisement for them, but it also is kind of me just saying they're awesome. Go listen to this interview. You'll hear Rob Lake talk about that. That sure beats a, a box with an iPad in it. I mean, I'm a sucker for magic. I they love magic it. so much. <laughs> so um, yeah that's, that, that's our extra attacker for the week it, that's a good extra attacker well i guess that's a good place to put a pin in it or a stop in it a bookmark in it there's a pin the one in my hand there it is um <laughs> so as we're working through this new system i'm playing a outro song that i'm slowly turning that. up this one's called feeding the ducks we're feeding <laughs> the ducks baby uh thanks everybody for hanging out with us on our sunday edition look at that it did end up going up as long as they all do surprise, if you made surprise. it this far in the podcast for real for real <laughs> bless your pretty little hearts we'll be back later this week guys let's make hockey for everyone we got you